0: Tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck.
1: The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss
0: no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side.
1: Yes, we are the Geeks Watch, and we're here another week to let in or not let in all the news that is worthy of geekdom. So, with that being said, John, what are we going to be talking about today?
0: Oh, man. Well, uh, news wise or content?
1: Content. Like, what are we going to be talking about later? Like, we'll ah, get to our news okay. here in a second.
0: Well,. Where We ran out of episodes of TV shows that we like to watch (laughs) as we just go through them so darn quick. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to go into some of the past um, Marvel, potentially DC movies as well that uh, most people may not be familiar with because they've been buried in the sands of um, mediocrity. And we'll be covering such classic hits as the 1990s Captain America The late 80s Punisher, the 1970s Doctor Strange made-for-TV movie, and uh, many others.
1: Yeah, many others. And today we're just going to be talking about the Captain America and the Doctor Strange, though, right? Yes. So, there you go. Uh, We have some, you know, what the MCU could have looked like (laughs) if we started back in the 70s. Uh All right, you know, but we'll get to our news first. So let me go ahead and uh, say what I have. uh, Because I found a few interesting stories that I thought were pretty cool. One I wanted to talk about is that uh, we, and uh, one of our other Geek Elite Radio podcasters uh, posted it on our Facebook earlier this week was uh, the fan made trailer for Blackest Night, a Green Green Lantern movie. Uh, Did you get a chance to look at it, John?
0: I saw it and I saw like the first thirty seconds of it, but my buffering was kind of bad, and I said I'll come back to this. and I <laughs> forgot.
1: <laughs> no problem. I mean, it, it uses obviously it uses a lot of footage from the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, but then the fact that we have so much DC Comics content now in television, it uses a lot of that too. It also uses some footage from uh, Batman v Superman and uh, Man of Steel. And I had to say the this you know the the uh, the special effects that they used or the the after effects I, I should say they they used to make the characters look like different color lanterns was actually pretty good the 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 trailer looks pretty awesome so uh anybody that's listening to this and hasn't got a chance to look at it you know they should check it out on our Facebook page that was put up by uh Chris Franey from our Imagine If podcast also check that out yeah definitely um we have Stephen Amell, who plays Green Arrow on uh, Arrow, on the CW, I guess was asked about how he would feel if, uh, and this was at Salt Lake Comic Con, Salt Lake City Comic Con, if they were to cast someone else as Green Arrow in the DC movie universe, the DC extended universe. And I guess at, at first they called back to or Amell called back to when they first announced that Ezra Miller was going to be playing the flash instead of Grant Gustin in the movie universe. And he did say it, he he did say it sucked, but he wasn't talking about the fact that they cast someone else. It was just more about the timing of the, of the, the announcement of the cast, because that was, I believe that was right before the finale of flash. And it kind of, uh, you know, drew away from the CW show a little bit, he said that if they were to cast someone else he'd be okay with it because he isn't the first person to play the flash or I mean to play green arrow and he won't be the last person. He doesn't own Oliver Queen and I thought, you know, obviously that's a very uh PR spin on the whole thing, but it's very it's also very, you know, realistic and grown up of him to to say something like that where we have a lot of uh, you know, fanboys that get so upset when they cast uh, someone else other than who's in the TV show And I understand it I mean my biggest problem is that They they cast Ezra Miller Not that they cast someone else I just don't see him as Barry So uh, we'll have to see how he does And just from the trailer That you know we Everybody saw from Justice League I'm already kind of pissed off about it But that's not here or there <laughs> But sticking in the DC universe, we have some news on the TV show that's going to be on the Sci-Fi channel called uh, Krypton, which is supposed to be a uh, kind of prequel to the whole Superman story. It's going to be following Superman's grandfather on Krypton, Seg-L, which is uh it's funny, they 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 named the character Seg-L because it's kind of a tribute to Jerry Siegel, the one of the co-creators of Superman, and they have cast a young woman in the role of Lita Zod, or Lita Zod. Uh, she will be playing a character that falls in love with Segel, and basically showing how the Zod house and the L house had you know, uh, ties way back when. It also says that she will be a cadet in the in Krypton's military and the daughter of a general. But it, the article goes on to say that, you know, she'll be the do- the daughter of General Zod. But I don't think that will be possible, seeing as how it's supposed to be Superman's grandfather. And then I would think that she probably more than likely will be the mother of General Zod. Because I would I imagine Jor-El and, and uh, Zod would be around the same age. So I don't see how that could be. Uh, but I am interested in seeing the show. Uh, have you heard anything about this show before, John?
0: I'm aware of its existence, but you just gave me about pretty much everything I, I now know about it.
1: <laughs> Fair I, I, you know, it's been in. It seems like it's been in production for a long time. Uh, I remember hearing about it way back when Man of Steel uh, first came out. So I know that uh, David Goyer, who's uh, the creator of the show and wrote. Is, has written a lot of what is in the DC uh, movie universe, um, is uh, wanting to get the show off the road for a very long time. Uh, oh, I forgot to, act, uh, to actually say the name of the the actress is Georgina Campbell. She will be play- She's a British actress, and she'll be playing. It's either Lita or Lyta, so L-Y-T-A, Lyta Zod, <clears throat> and uh, you know I. This kind of brings me into my next story because Sci-Fi Channel is obviously kind of going back to their roots of actually having scripted Sci-Fi shows uh, as opposed to, you know, ghost hunting shows and uh, reality-based other things. But uh, I'm really happy with it because I I like a lot of their Sci-Fi shows, including (laughs) Dark Matter and Killjoys. Are you watching these two shows?
0: I am not, but I currently don't have access to the Sci-Fi Channel.
1: Ah, well, you know, Dark Matter and Killjoys—I both believe their first season is on Netflix. So, if you get a chance, you should try and uh, you should check it out. I uh, definitely have that. <laughs> so, which also brings me to the story is that Sci-Fi Channel has gone gone ahead and uh, confirmed that they have a third season for both those shows because right now they're in the second season. And I, anybody that is fan of good sci-fi tv you know both these shows are really good to me they really fill the hole of that that firefly left after it got canceled so abruptly so you put the two together and you really get a, a good version of what you know firefly was To for me oh yeah that wound is still fresh <laughs> i mean that's what over a decade ago and it's yeah it's still pretty fresh <laughs> Uh, but the other sci-fi shows you know that they have on there is uh, 12 Monkeys, The Expanse and The Magicians and I watched The Magicians I thought it was a really good show so uh I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch that either
0: uh, but you should <laughs> Uh I have not is that a fictional show or is that like a reality show No it's a it's a fictional show it's basically Okay kind of a
1: uh it's kind of like an American version of of Harry Potter, but more fucked up because it's about these, it's about, you know, it's about college age students who, uh, who find out that they have some innate magical powers. And because of that, they go to this university that teaches them how to use their magical powers. It doesn't like, it doesn't teach them like how to do good or how to do bad or anything. like that. just, it tells them that, you know, you have to learn how to use this shit or else you're going to end up killing somebody. Like, so, oh. so it's, it's really fucked up. Like the first, I think the first, uh, episode has one of the professors, like they basically conjure up this bean from another dimension and he comes through and he rips out the eyeballs of, uh, one of the professors and, uh, you know, kills a whole bunch of students. So it's, it's, it's
0: really, uh, interesting show I thought. So what's the tone of the show? Because it's, it's it sounds like it has shades of Buffy in it.
1: Um, I guess yeah, there, there could be a little bit of Buffy, but there's not there's not as mu- I don't think there's much as much jokes as Buffy did. So it's it's a little bit more serious, but it is fun, and it has uh, it's 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 got a lot of like like horror television elements to it. Huh. Well, I'll have to check it out now. You got me intrigued. <laughs> and uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Killjoys is is about spa- uh, space bounty hunters, uh, and Dark Matter is about a team of uh, basically a, a, a team of villains that at in the in, right before the very first episode, they they all lose their memory, so they don't know that they're bad guys. So they, you know, as as clean slates, they kind of end up com- end up coming becoming good guys, but they still have the rep of being bad guys. So it's 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 really it's really good and a lot a lot of sci-fi, and they both take place in outer space. I know. And then my last story uh, involves Jason David Frank, who you know most people know as the White Ranger or the Green Ranger from. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the day, he is rumored to be playing a live action version of Bloodshot from Valiant Comics. Um, It looks like Valiant Comics has their own entertainment uh, branch and it's called Valiant Entertainment and they're going to be doing a movie version of Ninjak uh, with Bat in the Sun Productions and... He's kind of rumored that he will be playing Bloodshot. Now, I don't read any Valiant comics, so I don't really know these characters. However, I do, I have seen pictures of them, and I know that, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, what they look like and stuff like that. So it looks pretty cool. Um, if you follow Boss Logic on any social media, you've seen that he's already done a, uh, picture version or you know a a drawing of what Jason David Frank as Bloodshot would look like like. so uh, you should you should give that a look uh, on the internet if you haven't yet and that's all the news that I have so what do you got for me John
0: alright well earlier this week or last week I don't remember anymore uh, Ben Affleck posted a short video clip showing uh, Deathstroke on the set of something that they were filming uh potentially a cameo in justice league or um also rumored potentially could be something to do with an arkham virtual reality game that they're working on so at this point it's not 100 percent clear if this is going to be movie deathstroke but he certainly looks the part and don't, you I... don't get to see who plays them uh go
1: ahead i was just say i know from most of what i saw that uh, everybody was saying that it was just test footage But I, I could definitely see it as A cameo in Justice League because they just Wrapped up Justice League Why wouldn't they film some extra stuff as a cameo And stuff like that
0: Oh yeah it looks. It definitely had the feel Of it being like uh, Mid credit or after credit scene
1: Yeah definitely
0: And uh, so far there's two rumors uh, Rumored front runners for the role One to me seems more likely Than the other uh, but they're saying it they could potentially be Joe Manganiello, formerly of True Blood and Magic Mike fame, <laughs> or uh Ron Perlman, also uh formerly of uh Sons of Anarchy and Hellboy fame. And like we were saying in, a, in, in the pre show warm up, that I could see both of these being Deathstroke in their own way. Um, yeah, but I
1: I was going to say, yeah, Ron Perlman definitely has that, you know, the older look that Deathstroke's supposed to have.
0: Yeah, and then does have, like, some salt and pepper going on in his hair, and they could easily just make it a little whiter. (laughs) Um, I definitely see it be more Joe Manganiello, though, because, I mean, Ron Perlman is, what, pushing 70? Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know how, and, I mean... Of course, the character wears a helmet most of the time, so you could probably probably have a body double. He'd only be like for masculine scenes. But uh, I don't know. I I, I see Manganello being more likely the one that they cast for it, which would be somewhat unfortunate because I was really holding out for him being Shazam. Uh, you opposite know, opposite of the Rock.
1: Yeah, I was right there with you. I think that he would make a perfect Shazam, Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, the version that Billy, the young Billy Batson, turns into. And it's a shame that if he won't be that, because he—I think he would do a great job as uh, Deathstroke as well. Uh, but yeah, I think he should definitely have been Shazam.
0: Yeah, but if it, it does turn out to be Joe Manganello, at least it leaves uh, Shazam open for a different actor like John Ham, <laughs> who I think has the bone structure to uh, to really pull off that you know, broad-shouldered, barrel-chested superhero.
1: And you know, I, I think that he should John, John Ham should definitely be in a superhero movie at this point sometime because uh, you know, it's terrible to say but he's only getting older. <laughs> yeah. I just well, don't. We all are. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I just don't know if if Shazam Captain Marvel was the one for him anymore. Like if it was 10 years ago, I could see it, but his he just looks so so much older at this point and i think it's because of the you know uh billy batson is supposed to be turning into what he thinks is the perfect version of a superhero and it mm. just it just it would uh, to me it just looked weird but who knows you know with working out and you know getting into shape he could look perfect but you're right that
0: jawline is perfect for a superhero. <laughs> Well, what would you think if they ever did a live action adaptation of uh, Kingdom Come? You think he'd be a good Superman and something like that?
1: Oh, he definitely would definitely be a good Superman and something like that. Or well, he, he, if it was if live action version of Kingdom Come, he could even be a live uh, the, uh, the 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 version of Batman in that. I mean, Batman in that in Kingdom Come is like, you know, he's wearing that back brace and he's got he's got the gray <laughs> hair, you know, but he still looks. Superheroish.
0: Right on. And uh, so that leads us to our next story, seguing slightly from a uh, brief mention to The Rock. Is um, his character has been revealed in the new Jumanji movie, and it looks like he's going to be playing a double role, similar to the guy that played the father in the first movie who also played the, like that safari hunter. Right. Um, <laughs> the rock is doing his best Indiana Jones impression. <laughs> um, the character name revealed as Dr. Bravestone. And yeah, he looks, it, it almost looks silly, but he, he's so charming. He, I think he's actually selling it. <laughs> it looks really good as a potential throwback to like Indiana Jones. Yeah. And, um, So that kind of solves that mystery as to who he's going to be playing or what he was. I know we talked about it the last time. Um, Another bit of news is uh, I'm a big Godzilla fan, not as much as my friend Daniel, who actually got me more into it. But um, yeah, so Japan, hot off the heels of the American uh, Godzilla movie that came out not too long ago, decided to reinvigorate the franchise create their own brand of Godzilla yet again and um, for whatever reason they like sticking to the old traditional ways of uh, having a man in a rubber suit and somehow that works you know that still has its own charm even in this day of CG and whatnot so we will be getting a very limited release in October I bought one week to uh, to see the new Godzilla Now, I don't know much of the story for this one. I know that uh, if you're familiar with the old Godzilla movies, uh, there was one cool one that was released in, like, 1954. Then they got super campy and ridiculous up until the 70s. Then they did a reboot in 1985 with Godzilla 1985, which was a direct sequel to the 1954 Godzilla. And uh, then that created a new franchise that ended, I believe, in, like, The late 90s and we haven't really had a good uh, Japanese Godzilla movie since I think like 2000 I was gonna say wasn't there the Japanese Godzilla 2000 movie that was um, like a one-off it wasn't continuing the storyline uh Um, And and that one was pretty ridiculous because it was basically throw everything in there, including the 1998 Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Like that one had a cameo in it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's the only one in the movie that's done with CGI. So even the Japanese were like, no, we're not going to dignify this by making a a dude in a suit. It's going to (laughs) stay CGI. (laughs) Oh, funny. Yeah. And he promptly gets his ass kicked too, so <laughs> that's that's our own little meta joke.
1: Well, yeah, uh, I have to say I've never really been a fan of the Godzilla movies. Um I, I guess I did like the nineteen ninety eight version Roland Emmerich movie, just because it was I mean, it was just there at that time and it was the movie that I saw, but it's not it's not a good movie by any any chance, any uh, way. But yeah. I really did not like this last one that came out with two years ago now I, mm-hmm. I just thought it was terrible I and maybe maybe because I never watched any of the older versions but does Godzilla really save people I mean I thought he was always there to, to destroy to destroy the town and and people like the people had to fight him back
0: uh well maybe we could have a more in depth Godzilla conversation someday but definitely if there's a duality to Godzilla where he's supposed to represent like a force of nature mm-hmm so like his first appearance, yes, he was sort of a, a a metaphor for the Hiroshima bomb, right? And yeah, it was basically just like wanton destruction of innocence and so much collateral loss. And then um, when it became really popular, that's when he became more of like the savior of like basically it was Japan owning their suffering. And then he became like a hero or a symbol of like Japan's indomitable culture. Indomitable? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, unbeatable. Right. And, um, he, but then that also came hand in hand with like extreme cheesiness to the point where it just became like literally Power Ranger level campiness. And then they did the reboot in 1985 where he, Godzilla went back to being just like a force of destruction. Then it kind of started to become a force of good again until they killed him off for good. And then that ended the series kind of satisfactorily. And uh, yeah, so here we are now. We have now two American Godzilla movies of dubious value and quality. But (laughs) (laughs) what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. Yeah. And uh my last story is uh Stranger Things season 2 has now officially been announced complete with a episode list and uh they I know we covered them with you earlier and I'm still just like wondering what do these titles mean? They sound so intriguing.
1: So now this I think um, I find interesting because you know as we knew they hadn't planned on doing a season 2 that would continue the story of Eleven and, and, the, and the boys. Because they had planned the show to be an anthology series. Now, that means they've come... Do you think that they went through... They decided to make a season two with Eleven. And then they, they have now just titled the episodes? Or do you think they actually have written out the stories for each episode. And then they came up with the best title for those episodes. So basically, do you think there's
0: actually story written for these episodes?
1: Or is it just title
0: names? Um, <laughs> it'd be funny if they come up with titles first and then write their way around them.
1: I've heard writers doing similar things, so I, I wouldn't yeah. doubt it.
0: Well, um, I think it's a combination. I think they had some ideas of where to go in case uh, you know they didn't have a specific trajectory for what to do. I, I remember also hearing it was supposed to be an anthology series similar to something like American Horror Story, right. where they're not really connected, but they are, you know, like, just overall. Um, this leads me to believe that the runaway success of it was like, alright, you guys have full reign to do a second season, but you have to continue this story. Like, it has to be more of this. And they were like, okay, well, we have a backup plan that's just that. And, uh, the episode list reads, uh, a little something like this. You got the title Mad Max for episode one. Um, the Boy Who Came to Life, Episode 2, The Pumpkin Patch, Episode 3, The Palace, Episode 4, The Storm, Episode 5, The Pollywog, for Episode 6, The Secret Cabin, Episode 7, The Brain, Episode 8, and The Lost Brother for Episode 9. So we're getting now, one more episode. We're getting an extra one, yeah. So there's definitely some more stuff that they're going to be doing there. And um, like I said, those titles are intriguing because, you know, the only one who, uh, the only episode that really directly seems to be tying into the story is The Boy Who Came Back to Life, which as you remember, was the headline covering the fact that Will Byers was not dead at the end of the season. Right. Um.
1: Now, I so... I don't know, I think that, I think that last title, I mean, it could definitely mean Jonathan because the brother to to uh, will is is Jonathan right yes and but I you know to me just reading off those titles that it, to me I, I, I guess it's more of a hope that maybe 11 has a brother
0: yeah I was thinking that too I mean she, if she is 11 there could be one through ten right and we don't know if there's um relations to any of these other ones if they're even alive if they all got stuck in the upside down i mean the possibilities at this point are are definitely high for there to be a twist
1: mhm or there could even be a 12 who says they're you know they weren't working on something else you know there wasn't a a, a, a boy in another room somewhere that was uh being experimented on when 11 escaped
0: too true definitely yeah so um all I know is season two can't come soon enough at this point. <laughs> I'm going to be counting down the days. I mean, thankfully, there's going to be some cool stuff to watch in the meantime. But um see, now I also have to say that this I think,
1: and this is one of the you know obviously this is one of the problems with TV shows that have that have kids as their stars. You have to start filming that that next season real quick, or else you know they're just going to get older and older because I mean they're hitting puberty. And then are just gonna start growing look at look at uh the actor who plays Bran on on Game of Thrones. I mean, the kid is like what six foot tall now, and he still has to and has a super deep voice and has to be carried around by Hodor or at least he was for for the season not oh, too soon, too
0: soon. <laughs> yeah, um. Yeah, Bran got hit with the puberty stick pretty hard there. <laughs> um, I'm guessing they're going to... Well, it's already happening, actually. Like, I remember reading something on The Making of Season 1, and I think it was the kid that played Dustin. Yeah. Like, he he had, like, a voice change halfway through filming. So he couldn't so, go back like, and do
1: any ADR, was what I heard, yeah. too.
0: <laughs> so, like, they had to go back and make him sound older from the beginning, because he started off real like high pitched and squeaky and then by the end of it he's all like, you know, husky and like baritone or something. <laughs> so um I mean, I guess yeah. they could
1: totally just start the next season off as being a year later and and that would account for them being older, but you would think that'd be a lot of storyline that they're going to you're going to miss between where the season ended and where the next
0: season begins. Possibly, yeah, but um, I don't know. I have faith in the Duffer Brothers; they they haven't disappointed me yet. So <laughs> we'll see how they work it out, what they write out. I mean, it could be their what, what were they like um, seventh graders, sixth graders? I want to say they were sixth graders because sixth graders. I don't think they were. Yeah, so I could I could easily see them being in junior high or something.
1: Yeah, well, I think I think they were already in middle school because I think that the school was a middle school. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, and obviously the sister Nancy was in high school,
0: mm, but mm-hmm. the two schools weren't
1: the same. So, uh, yeah. What now? I know I've heard the the word polywog before. Does that mean something in you know
0: eighties genre or anything like that? Um, well, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because it was actually a, a a picture posted on the Stranger Things subreddit. Where um, the caption was titled, looks like uh, a lot of people learned a new word today. (laughs) And it was a Google search spike in the term "polywog," Which, um, incidentally, I believe, without having to look it up at the top of my head, refers to uh, a stage of development in like a tadpole. Oh. Um, I think it's the stage where it doesn't have legs yet. Or it has the back legs only. Oh, yeah. So that could be a reference to maybe like the the leech things that um, what's his name? But Will was coughing up. Or I mean that that's the most direct thing I can tie to it. But um,
1: well, see, I definitely I, see it as like the that they're the 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 smartest science teacher in the world teaching the kids about polywogs and being like, see, this is during the phase of development when they develop their back legs or whatever. And then relating it back to, like, 11, she's like, oh, well, you know, the the amount of power that we she had before was only in her development. Now she's even fully,
0: de- you know, more developed and ah. she's going to be able to do more or something like that. I like that. I like that. That's awesome, <laughs> actually. And it, it also reminded me, uh, the science dude reminded me a little bit of... um the biology teacher from gremlins oh yeah so i could kind of see something like that going on where like the teacher's studying like a specimen and then like overnight it cocoons and it becomes a monster and hopefully it doesn't end up killing him but no they killed that
1: science teacher that would just be
0: terrible (laughs) yeah he was was, like my second favorite character he's my hero now (laughs) uh also uh you may have heard of the term poliwag from pokemon because there is a pokemon called poliwag no i I don't know anything about pokemon Uh,
1: i I don't know know it from there uh (laughs) you're not
0: playing pokemon go like uh almost everybody no longer is
1: (laughs) almost everybody no longer is i like the way you put that (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i am not but let's go ahead and switch gears john to uh the T the or t- er, I don't know if they were made for T V movies or not, but they are movies uh set in the Marvel it universe. Like it. Yeah, they definitely look like they were made for T V movies. Uh back starting in nineteen seventy eight with Doctor Strange. I think it was nineteen seventy eight, right? Yes. Okay, so Doctor Strange, and I don't think most people know this because I didn't even know this. Uh, until about a year ago, that there was a 1978 Doctor Strange movie. Now we do have Doctor Strange, the theatrical movie, coming out in November, I believe, and I'm very excited for that. But you know, let's—it's—it's uh, it's interesting to see uh, what we could have had in 19 or what we did have in 1978. Um, what did you think of this movie, John?
0: Uh, I believe that the. The Marvel Cinematic Universe had very humble beginnings. (laughs) And, um... I think you had to go through something like that to end up where we are today. As a way of saying, let's not do that again. (laughs) Man,
1: if... I have to say this. If the one that comes out in November is anything like that one, I'm going to have to just shoot myself. Because that movie was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... There was almost nothing, nothing good about this movie. Uh, I think I, I recognized maybe two actors, and that's Morgan Lefay was played by Jessica Walter, who uh, I think most people would recognize from Arrested Development now, and I know her as the voice of uh, uh, what's her, the leader of ISIS on Archer. Uh, uh, I would be Mallory Archer. Mallory Archer, thank you. And then uh, the actor who played Wong, Clyde Kasatsu, Uh, I've seen him in, you know, he's played in a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows as a generic Asian guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I think... Oh, I remember him. Yeah, you know, him and uh, Pat Morita probably had to fight out for a lot of roles throughout their careers as a generic Asian guy from wherever... (laughs) and uh i just, i just like i think the the one I, rem- I i remember him the most for was uh dragging the bruce lee story he's the older teacher gentleman on the boat when bruce lee is heading towards america and he he teaches him about he teaches bruce lee about how uh the chinese built the railroads in america and the the phrase uh, not a not a chinaman's chance comes from that experience because they would not they might not pull Uh, the Chinese man up fast enough when he had to plant the dynamite to blow a hole in a mine. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they died. They blew up with the dynamite. But that's just, you know, what I remember him from. He has a long list of, of, on IMDb for roles.
0: I want to go out on the limb here and say he probably played a Korean in MASH. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So...
1: Yeah, this particular movie was just awful. I mean, it takes forever for him to f- to find out about like the Doctor Strange to find out about magic. The one they already switched him in the very beginning from being a surgeon, a world class, famous surgeon, to being a uh, psychiatrist for some reason, because that just makes him better, I guess. Uh, because he's. Like, tuned into the human mind or something. Ah, that makes sense. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did end up getting Cleo in there. Or Clea, I'm sorry, in there as his love interest. But she's just a helpless law student or grad student or something like that that gets taken over by Morgan. Uh, we The bad guy in the movie is never actually said to be Dormammu. But, I mean, you can kind of imply or infer that it's supposed to be Dormammu or Dormammu Are you referring
0: to that hand puppet with glowing eyes?
1: Yes the terrible (laughs) hand puppet with glowing eyes that is covered in (laughs) fog throughout the whole movie but he's obviously very evil
0: It reminded me a lot of uh, Malibolgia from Spawn for some reason
1: (laughs) Yeah uh, that's uh, very similar to what they were going for
0: Yeah, so my impressions of uh, the movie were basically um, it definitely looked like it was inspired by a bad acid trip (laughs) (laughs) where you have moments of sheer, like, visual terror and nonsense followed by lots of moments
1: of boredom. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it just, it takes so long for them to get to the point where he's, like, learning about magic in the world, and then, you know, it, it's not till the very end when they get, uh, you know, him to actually, like, the Doctor Strange character to actually do some uh, actual magic, I guess. I mean, literally, he learns one incantation, and he tries to use that on every
0: bad thing that comes along. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, it was supposed to be a pilot for a TV series, so I'm guessing he was going to learn more magic as the season went on. Like, maybe different spells?
1: Right, yes. I mean, I could definitely see that as what it was supposed to be. Uh, But I guess that's kind of putting the cart in front of the horse, because you needed to make a good TV movie first before you can get the green light for a uh a series, I would imagine.
0: Yeah. And uh, an important thing to note too is that uh, for the two, potentially three movies that we will watch uh for this this outing, um Stanley was involved. Like he was definitely in the credits.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, he even goes on I guess there was an uh an interview that he had later that says that this is one of his favorite uh adaptations of his of his work on, you know, in a movie. <laughs>
0: is it really, though? Like, does he really mean that?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but that's what he said. So, uh, you know, I mean, and I, I can imagine the reason why you get a lot of the accurate names in the in the movie is because of Stanley. But, like, even the costume, eventually when he gets his costume, it doesn't look right. Because it, it's got a starburst instead of a demon-esque looking... Uh, symbol that Doctor Strange is usually uh, known for, and uh, it's, it's it it's just oh, I don't know. There's just so many weird bad things about this movie. So they get the symbol right with the the the, the grid-looking symbol that's supposed to rep, you know represents that 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 house that um Linda, Littermeyer is living in, which eventually Doctor Strange lives in, and you get this idea that he was always fated to become this Sorcerer Supreme because his father knew Littermeyer back in the day before his father died. And that's why he gave his son the ring. And, you know, it was, it was part of his fate to become this sorcerer. And, oh man, it's just, that house is like a cave inside of a house. I don't know why everything
0: looks like it's rock. It's probably some leftover like Hammer movie sets or something. <laughs> like they filmed Bright of Dracula or something in there.
1: I I wouldn't doubt it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Ancient One was really more like a like a fussy British man or something. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, and that's what uh, Thomas Lindermeyer would mean is is uh, a replacement for Doctor Strange's comic book mentor, the Ancient One. A yes. native Tibetan who was former Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, for some reason, he's just this old, crusty dude that kind of knows some some magic, and he's supposed to be the one that teaches Doctor Strange how to to be the Sorcerer Supreme. And like the extent of his teaching that we see in this movie goes from if you if someone bad comes up to you, say this uh, by the name of Raylan I command you to leave, and that's it. That's all supposed to happen, and the big, massive dude on the horse from hell is supposed just runs away because he heard the incantation.
0: Now that was kind of a cool visual. I'm like, all right, like it's campy, but that's kind of fun looking.
1: Yeah, it was campy, but yeah, you're right. For 1978, that that's it was pretty good, but that's about it.
0: <laughs> oh, speaking for 1978, uh, so. The transdimensional traveling scenes look like they were ripped right out of Doctor Who's TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> He's like floating, and you see like all this like just weird, spacey imagery, kind of like zooming around him. Yeah, exactly. That's. I mean, it looks exactly like
1: Doctor Who from from that time period.
0: Yeah, it' like I said. Just this this is just but a glimmer of what would eventually come to be.
1: <laughs> and you know, I thought when I was re- when I was watching this because I didn't I never really watched the old Bill Bixby uh, Hulk movie Hulk TV shows, but I thought
0: that this was around the same time as those. But I guess those came out in the eighties. Um, I believe it started right at the tail end of the 70s, so it might have been like 79. um.
1: Oh, okay. So that would make sense, because these, I mean, it looks very similar. Like, these two, like, this could have been the Marvel's shared cinematic universe, uh, with the whole. according to this, it was 78 also. Oh, well, there you go. So, uh, you know, I, I could have seen, like, this, the two of these, like, crossing over if they were, if this had been successful. Which I think is funny because now you can't really get anything with the Hulk to be successful. <laughs> I mean, I mean, unless he's just on the Avengers team, but like his two movies, yeah, two movies that he's had now, uh, yeah, were not successful. And you know, it just I don't. The Hulk it ended up being the TV show that was successful, as compared to this, which in all rights probably should have been more successful.
0: Yeah, and I think the uh, Eric Bana Hulk gets a lot more hate than it deserves. I think it's not a badly directed or acted movie. It just had a like a piece of shit script. <laughs> I mean, like, there's only so much you can do when somebody doesn't know the the story or the character. And... Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, I I will I won't say that I I like that movie at all. <laughs> But I, I will say that at least Ang Lee did something unique with his direction. He definitely tried to make it look like a comic book, which was kind of cool. But, yeah, the you know, the script and the story of it just doesn't follow, almost doesn't follow anything recognizable to a, a, the Hulk in comic books at
0: all. I'll give it this much. At least it does have a gamma bomb in it somewhere.
1: Well, Actually, I mean, it's just like it was just a, a gamma explosion. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I mean they were still just trying to use gamma radiation to heal people instead of turning it into a, a, a bomb, like a like an a bomb.
0: <coughs> no, I mean in one of the flashbacks, they they actually show like a <laughs> oh, green mushroom cloud. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, uh... Uh, yeah, no no the way he got his powers was kind of stupid he basically like stuck his hand in an x-ray machine or something but <laughs> uh, but, but at least some of the flashback stuff like of the 70s or 60s whatever that time frame supposed to be when he was a kid yeah when nick Nolte, was, his
1: father was making gamma bombs or whatever
0: yeah and uh dissecting starfish to mix with blood or something. Yeah. Is that 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 part was weird. That, it, <laughs> it goes off the rails.
1: But um, it has you potential. Know, you know, the Hulk's father was the Absorbing Man, and you know they he became a scientist and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Who
0: makes Hulk dogs in his garage <laughs> with spare parts? Yeah, that's all in the comic book somewhere. Dude, they, he's like practically Tony Stark level genius if he can do that. <laughs>
1: Uh, so also with this movie There is a uh, There is a lot of Great I mean okay so the scenes like when When uh, Morgan Le has taken over Clea And <laughs> She She she, she uh, gets Clea to push Liedermeyer off the bridge <laughs> uh, It's just so funny to watch the fake Body fly off the bridge and then get hit By the car <laughs> Uh, and then he just gets up and, and kind of runs away because he's a sci- or he's a magician, so I guess he healed himself. But it was just it was just a funny scene because all those bystanders are just like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And uh, the
0: overacting of the of the extras was just
1: uh, classic.
0: Yeah, it definitely has a super seventies vibe, especially when you have the walking scenes, of which there are many, because you have to pad out the time by showing them physically getting from one location to the other. (laughs) And, uh, they fill in that, that space with like, what could only be described as, um, traditional seventies porno music. Yes, exactly. You get a lot of wah, wah scratching and, uh, bass rhythm. (laughs) I'm like, um,
1: this is odd. (laughs) Uh, so in the end, we see that like the whole motivation behind Morgan Lefay's evil doings is that if she doesn't do it, Dormammu is going to turn her into or uh, expose her real age, and make her look like what she's supposed to look like. And I guess if you're, you're supposed to take into account that she's supposed to be the Morgan Le Fay from the Athorian legend, uh, so I would make her really old by this point. And when she fails him for the last time, she she changes back. She she reverts to her her real age, kind of like how we see the the Red Witch do when she takes off that necklace. Yeah, that's what I thought about too. I was like, oh, it's like Melisandre, kind of right. But the very next scene, which I guess would have been them trying to, uh, you know, uh, lead something to the, for the ending, or not for the ending, but for the TV series. Is Morgan has come back to the real world or, or our dimension? I guess you say, and then she looks the her, the age that she wants to look again, and she's some type of businesswoman that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, taking over the taking over the business world and has all kinds of money and being interviewed by by reporters and stuff. So, do we take into account that Doctor Strange beat? Dormammu and he that the the reveal spell didn't, was no longer on top of her. She was her own woman now, and she she's come to our world to to make money. Uh,
0: that reminded me of uh, like a similar plotline somewhere else. Um, it's <laughs> there's a really cheesy movie. Um, I think it was called The Black Roses um, from the late 80s early 90s having to do with a a satanic rock band okay at the end of the movie the the lead singer of the rock band turns into a really awful rubber monster (laughs) and they think they beat it because it basically comes to like a really small little town i mean this is supposed to be like one of the biggest bands in the world similar to like say guns and roses right And so they go to this rinky-dink little backwater town to put on a concert. The lead singer turns into a monster revealing his true self because he's actually working for the devil or something. And so they beat him somehow. He basically ends up burning up in flames, and you think it's over, it's a happy ending. And then they put on the news, and then you see the same rock star dude, like, alive and well and back in human form, saying, yeah, we can't wait to get this new tour started. And that reminded me so much of this ending (laughs) wait didn't they just defeat her and now she's whatever but she's back and like like what
1: yeah exactly
0: i think i glazed over at that point
1: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i don't know the runtime for this move i think it's around 90 minutes and it's just it's easy to just start to glaze over at any point because it's so boring I mean, for a movie that's supposed to be about magic and you know fighting mystical creatures and stuff like that, it's just oh, so hard, so hard to get through.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, um, well, that's over. Now I can uh, move on with my life. And you no, know, we were just getting started, and we went on to to see the next movie on the list. That's right, so then we'll skip ahead to 1990,
1: 12 years in the future, where where Captain America comes out. And,
0: wow. (laughs) Were you blown away by the quality of this uh, masterpiece? Oh, I I so was.
1: I mean, the movie starts out in, what, Italy pre-World War II? I guess World War I era? Something like that, yeah. And uh, you have a little boy playing a a piano for his family, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, guys with machine guns just bust in the the house and start shooting everybody and steal the little boy away. And uh, you have a scientist that is like kind of protesting doing this experiment on a a little boy, and the Italian fascist is just like, nope, do it. And because he's super smart he knows how to play the piano and uh we're going to want him so she, you know they start to do the experiment and she she kind of sabotages a lot of things and runs away right
0: yeah like if i caught it correctly they basically said this is like the smartest kid in the village so he's going to be our super soldier or something like that yeah and yeah they demonstrate that by him playing the piano kind of softly he's doing like uh a Beethoven piece or something. I'm not sure. I don't remember what it was. And, um, yeah. So the, whatever these soldiers are, they come and take them away. And (laughs) then you start seeing some like test footage of what they're going to do to him. And they show you how, like by injecting this rat with this potion or serum, whatever we were able to increase his intelligence and strength and whatever and anger, (laughs) And yeah, and then they show you that rat in a cage, and it's like a bad rat puppet that's like larger than normal and red.
1: Yeah, they also they also talk about how he's also turned red for some reason. Yeah, it's like, well, that's just, that's a side effect. We'll work on that. <laughs> so basically, and, uh, this is the the origin of the of the Red Skull, and they've they've changed him from being German to being Italian now. Which is par for this movie because they they go and change everybody's origins, kind of. Uh, you know, Captain America is no longer from New York; he's from L.A. and he's he lived right on the beach. You know, Sharon Carter is the daughter of his love from the from the uh, '30s, and you know she's also from L.A., from Redondo Beach, and you know. The president <laughs> was a, a small kid. I don't know. President Kimball's a small kid that that sneaks out of his house in the middle of the night and goes up to take pictures of the White House, and then sees Captain America flying right into the White House as he's because he's part of a missile.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we're definitely getting a little bit ahead. So let <laughs> let me see if I if I can run down the, the first fifteen minutes of this movie eventually are a condensed version of the entire Captain America the First Avenger. <laughs> you have uh yeah, you have the introduction to the Red Skull. Now, I have to say it does follow a lot of very similar beats because if you think about it, in First Avenger you have the Nazis showing up to that Norwegian village to look for the Tesseract, right? Or the the hypercube, whatever. And um they uh you know, they take it by force, and it's kind of similar to like whatever these soldiers were supposed to be taking the kid by force, you mm-hmm. know, because that's going to be their super weapon. Then you go, you cut to Captain America, or, well, not Captain America, but Steve Rogers, who's now a Californian. <laughs> and even saying that just makes me laugh because it reminds me of uh, that skit from Saturday Night Live. Which one? Yes. Uh, the Californians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, like, the whole joke of it is they have a slightly surfer accent, and all they talk about is how to get to places using the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh then you have, um yeah, so he's a Californian now, and to make him look scrawny, he's just wearing an oversized suit. I, that's a, that was... <laughs> I thought that was so hilarious. Like he
1: really doesn't look any different after he uses Yeah after he, never he goes really through the procedure. Physique.
0: So um Oh, I do yeah, have to say so- this
1: though, like when, when they're taking him into the room where the experiment's gonna be had, or be done, you know, they go into it's a it's a diner or whatever, right? And the right behind the counter is a lady that they say some innocuous fucking phrase to And she has her hand right there on a gun. And it's exactly how it happens in in the First Avenger when they walk into that bookstore and they're just like, oh, it looks like it's going to rain today. And she's like, well, better take an umbrella. And she has her hand right on a gun or something like that.
0: Yeah. I was like, that was kind of cool. I was like, did they really plan that out or was that just a coincidence? No, it had to have been. The First Avenger had to have used, had to have done that as like a nod. Some homage to it. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of works. So then we have uh, Dr. Erskine this time is... A female and not called Dr. Erskine? And well she's she's Italian instead of being German. <laughs> yeah. She's Dr. So Fascili. She Erskellini or something. Yeah. <laughs> um so then you have uh the basically a similar sequence where they put him in the well, he's not in a tube, he's more just like on a, a, a operating table, I guess. Or right. Some kind of stand there. And uh, very similar, you know, like you know, raise it to whatever percent and You know, he gets his powers and then they they call it a job well done. And then everybody's congratulating the doctor. And then you have the one dude walk right up to her and then um, shoots her point blank. Yeah, (laughs) Just like right in front of her is like, oh, yeah, by the way, hi, Hitler. And like, bam, right in the chest. (laughs) And you're like, holy crap, that didn't have any like sense of provocation or anything like the uh, first avenger like there you can kind of see the tension building and you see the guy with the shifty eyes yeah like you know something dubious is going to happen like dr erskine makes eye contact and for like a brief moment he realizes oh wait that's not right (laughs) no this is just like straight out of nowhere this is like uh like Lee Harvey Oswald being taken into interrogation and Jack Ruby just comes out of nowhere and like blows him away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve Rogers gets out of his chair or whatever it was, uh, the bed and he gets shot like also pretty brutally. There was a lot of blood in this movie, surprisingly. Right. Um, but then like the next scene, he's in the hospital bed, he gets up and he was like, okay, I'm ready for duty. No, he's like super healed i guess <laughs> then uh the next scene after that you have um in the plane getting ready to get dropped off in italy already wearing the cap suit already with the shield and there's like one quick throwaway line where he says uh, you think a month's worth of practice was enough to master this thing <laughs> and they're like well let's hope it was enough or something and you're like Wait seriously? <laughs> like no explanation for the suit or the shield beyond just, uh, well, this is me. I guess I'm Captain America now, <laughs> about, like, the hope of the uh, allies or something. And uh, <laughs> all I could say was just, wow. You know, like they really just wanted to get through that origin story. <laughs> they really did.
1: Yeah. So I mean, so not not to jump too far ahead, we got the the steve rogers captain america being played by matt salinger which i have no idea if he's done anything else or uh you know done anything that's worth noting but the president uh kimball is ronnie cox who you know i think i know he's been in a lot of things but the most thing i remember from is is robocop as uh paul dicker i think bottinger And, and uh total recall too i believe oh that's right he he is the bad guy in total recall uh, then you have the reporter Sam being played played by Ned Beatty, who
0: you know I think Deliverance might be big one. He's the one who squeals like a pig. Actually, uh, it's a good thing you brought him up because I that was one of my talking points. Um, he may be the first uh, DC to Marvel crossover actor because he was in uh, the Superman movies. Yeah, or it played like Luther's lackey. Yeah, (laughs)
1: which uh, interesting story about that is that that character, you know, uh, I believe his name is Otis, Uh, you know, not not in the comic books, but uh, eventually they do bring him into the comic books. And I remember one storyline where uh, uh, the Martian Manhunter kind of uh, mimics him or changes his form to look like this Otis character. And he looks a lot like the Otis character from the from the movie. And he's like. He makes his way as as uh, Lex Luthor's right hand man or friend and stuff like that. But then Luthor finally comes out and says, "I know it's you, Martian. You know, you think you'd be using your mental powers on me, but I've negated those." So I, I, you know, it was interesting. This when I read that those books and that was probably in the late '90s or early 2000s that they would bring that character in that way.
0: Yeah, interesting homage there. And to, then. Um, Silly
1: character. Yeah, had very silly character. And then the last uh, person I, I recognized was General Fleming. The older General Fleming was played by Darren McGavin. And, uh, you know, I've seen him in a lot of things. Usually he plays the old guy and stuff. So <laughs> uh, I don't know what else that he would have been in,
0: like, by name. Yeah, I don't remember much of him either. There was a – as far as uh, the Salinger guy – that played Captain, or Steve Rogers, Captain America. He was also one of the jocks in Revenge of the Nerds, I believe. Oh, really? That's the the other thing I remember him from. He's done a lot, according to his IMDb, but nothing I'm familiar with, really, or at least recognize. And then just, like, one little last bit of trivia, apparently he's also J.D. Salinger's son.
1: Oh, that's uh, interesting. I mean, I could see that because... uh... You know, it it it's a very unique name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's interesting uh, that he would end up being an actor and then also being uh, Captain America,
0: <laughs> a very iconic actor uh, role. Uh, yeah. Role. Yeah. So. <laughs> so things only go even stupider after uh, his first mission. Uh. Goes awry, like you see him. You see him use the shield in the way that it was intended, but due to what I'm guessing would be budgetary limitations, it looks ridiculous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you know, like, and, and it's it's rarely used in the movie too, which uh, is also the same to be to be said about the the uniform. It, both of them barely make an appearance in this movie. Uh, I think it's a little bit at the beginning and very much a lot at the end when you know there's the big fight scene with the uh, the red skull, but yeah, it's so bad looking.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I don't remember if this is correct or not, but I think when he's wearing the Captain America suit, the ears on the on like the, the cowl are actually rubber. I wouldn't doubt it because pulling your ears through that thing would
1: probably be pretty painful
0: yeah it would make sense i suppose but um to its credit i mean it was very comic accurate at least as far as the look of it goes
1: yeah no it, it does it is except for the it, it's missing the the scale mail top which would have protected him a lot better against those bullets that he ends up taking in the end of the movie but yeah <laughs> it is oh, very
0: that balloon-like texture of the rubber <laughs> suit wasn't enough protection?
1: <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Like, what guy, what, like, serviceman in their right mind would go out in that, <laughs> on a mission? It's just like, wow. Uh, and I like the fact that they said Vasily is the one that designed the suit too, and she's just like, yeah, this would be great for him to go out and fight fight in.
0: I guess it was going to strike terror into the hearts of the enemy, maybe, and (laughs) they'd want to surrender or something. I don't know. It was pretty bad. (laughs) Um, See, that's what happens when you don't put some context to what's happening. And um, honestly, this is the best thing to come out of watching this movie. I liked Captain America, the first Avenger. I, I didn't think it was one of the strongest entries into the Marvel U, but it was serviceable. Now I think it's like a freaking work of art.
1: <laughs> See, like uh First Avengers is probably one of my favorites out of the uh the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I think that one and the first Iron Man and the first uh uh Avengers movies are all right up there at the top for me.
0: Right? On. So uh, yeah, and- well, it but but you can't deny it also gives you like a whole new appreciation, right? Oh, definitely. After after watching this
1: and seeing how bad it could have gone, yeah, exactly. That's there's so many, so many just the dialogue alone on in this movie is so bad. There's the part where uh, the president, you know, saves or throws the shield to Captain America while he's fighting the Red Skull and he Captain America does these what you know backhand uh, flips like over and over until he gets the shield and then uses it to save himself from a, a hail of gunfire and he, the Red Skull runs away and then turns around and he just gives the thumbs up to the president. And it's such a super awkward, like, close-up. Like, you don't even see all of Captain America's head or body. You kind of just see his eyes and then his thumb. And he's like, thank you, Mr. President. And it's just like, wow, this is just bad. Like, they think that you have to do, like, these weird comic book panel, like, dialogue that, oh, it's just so... Horrendous!
0: I just wanted to cringe and and get into the fetal position. Well, not only that, but they also reveal one of Captain America's hidden talents, which is he's a a fantastic actor that can fake to being sick.
1: <laughs> and he uses that that trick what twice in the in the movie? I
0: believe so. I'm I'm sure there's probably a third that got left on the cutting room floor.
1: Well, if they were smart, you'd always have to do everything in threes for comedy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, he uses it well, once on Sam. He says, oh, pull the car over. I'm going to get sick. And he he, run, he goes like a good, what, maybe 20 yards in front of the car. Starts acting like he's going to throw up. And then when Sam comes to see if he's okay, he runs back to the car <laughs> as fast <laughs> as he can. And uh, leaves Sam out in the middle of the road. And then he later on does that to Sharon. But Sharon... You know, doesn't quite fall for it, but she ends up following him anyways because she knows exactly where he's going. Uh, I think that was one of the things. It's just like none of the, like, things that he did in the movie made it look like he was any more of a, like, he had any more strength or agility than any, like, regular soldier. You know what I mean? He doesn't run any faster than anybody. He doesn't lift anything bigger than anybody else. Uh, he, the Captain America that we have now at least holds a you know <laughs> helicopter from flying off.
0: Well, it's it seems like um, he has the superhuman ability to heal from gunshot wounds. It's probably <laughs> the only thing that he does successfully without really trying. Oh, there you go. He's got that. He's got that uncanny ability. <laughs> yeah missed opportunity to include Wolverine cuz it looks like he spent a good chunk of the movie wandering through like the Canadian wilderness <laughs>
1: yeah the good i'd say like the good second act of the movie is just him not believing that he's in the future and like you know having to people have to keep telling him even after he sees his girlfriend has been you know aged an extra 60 years he still doesn't believe it he has to keep looking for more information and then you know finally Uh, Sharon shows him a a VHS tape and a VCR and then Martin Luther King giving a speech and he's like, oh man, it's all true. It's really the future.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as if seeing Sharon like old wasn't enough. Yeah. That could have just been a bad bender over the weekend or something. I guess. (laughs) But uh, actually, now that you bring up the Martin Luther King thing, um, I was a little shocked, I think. Like, I, I didn't know how quite to react because I, I remember seeing this movie when I was a little kid. And, of course, I didn't understand anything back then. You know, like 1990, I was still watching Ninja Turtles and thought that was, you know, amazing. But um, so they basically said the Red Skull, who's still been alive since World War II, was uh, the mastermind behind the assassination of both Kennedy's and Martin Luther King Jr. yep. yep. I was like, "Whoa, wait, what?" <laughs> like, how does that help him in any way? You know, like it it just it, it blew my mind temporarily. I'm like,
1: yeah, "Wow." F- for history-wise and what he wants to do, it doesn't make any sense, but for story-wise, you could just see some some hack writer that was like, "Oh yeah, we want to show that he's truly evil, so let's just say that he killed both Kennedy, he had both Kennedys killed and Martin Luther King Jr."
0: Done. He is he's evil man. And speaking of the Red Skull, we've kind of went away from him for a little bit, but so during kept's first mission in Italy and uh he he makes his way to the Red Skull who looks like a little bit more like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got just like a horribly jagged like doesn't quite look like a skull, but you know, it's just like whoa, what is up with you? You know, like it just looks horrendous. And then, uh, so then, when you see him in the in like the present day, which would be 1990, I suppose, he's still alive. He's still the same age, but now he has like jigsaw like skin. Yeah, and, and, and that... I wasn't sure if that was his like like it was that supposed to be a mask like the Red Skull wears in the first Avenger because you never really see him as the red skull again. He he just looks like Christopher Eccleston cosplaying as Jigsaw.
1: <laughs> yeah, they never you know, they never reveal if it's supposed to be a mask or if he's somehow healed over his skin or if he's had cosmetic surgery or something like that. But yeah, we've only saw the red skull the one the one scene where Captain America rips his hand off when he takes off in the rocket ship or the missile or whatever you want to call it, but uh it's 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 pretty bad, and then his death scene of getting distracted by the music that he played as a child, which is on a tiny little radio, handheld radio, which he's probably a hundred yards away, and there's no way the
0: Red Skull would have heard that on top of that fucking mountain with all that wind going around. Uh, well, doesn't the super soldier serum also give you enhanced senses, like, f- your super hearing? Fine. If you want to go with that, then that's what he had, but... Sure, why not? <laughs> how does knocking him
1: off of the, the mountain stop the bomb from detonating? I, I still don't understand. Like, the, the, the controller is supposed to be able to call down some missiles that are gonna blow up all of southern fucking Europe or some shit like that, and... And he gets knocked off the mountain by the, the shield and it's done. We're done. We're good.
0: He saved the day. Well, I have some theories, but they're just as ridiculous and flippant. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know what? I don't know. It's just a poorly written, very bad, no plot, horrendous, cash grab, Stanley's name still in the credits. <laughs> Well, but, um...
1: speaking of, in the credits, uh, I I saw that it was uh, a film produced by Menachem Gollum. And it, I don't know if you've seen the documentary. on. It's on Netflix. It's called Electric Boogaloo, the uh, wild untold story. The Let me see. Let me get the title right. The wild untold story of canon films. So it's it's about the two men that, that uh, Gollum and Gorum that... that that were the the owners of uh canon films and you have to watch this documentary because it's just how they went about making
0: all their money by have you seen the documentary i'm sorry no it's one of my things to do because i'm a big fan of those kinds of movies like behind the scenes things and canon films they made a lot of movies that I watched as a kid so <laughs> Me too. I, I'm aware of it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Now that I know it's on YouTube, I'm so watching it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it was definitely on Netflix. Or Netflix, sorry, yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, you give it a
1: give it a watch because yeah, those were all the movies that I liked to watch too when I was a kid and it has, you know, masters of the universe. All the Delta Force movies, fucking... Uh, even Superman, the Quest for Peace was one of their movies, so... Oh, yeah, the one that ruined it
0: all. <laughs> yeah, the, the one that You know the what, very though? One. The, uh, I believe it was Masters of the Universe that ended up bankrupting uh, canon once and for all, which may have been a blessing in disguise, because using the profits that they would have gained from Masters of the Universe, they were supposed to go into the first uh, modern live-action Spider-Man oh wow so and uh yeah i remember them thinking that masters of the universe was going to be such a big hit that they already had sets and props being built for part two uh because if you remember masters of the universe actually ends with the after credit scene of skeletor saying he'll be back yeah
1: i do remember that <laughs> and uh
0: yeah not really gonna happen but not so much yeah, so in order to cut their losses, uh, they took a chance. They used the props and the sets for uh, Masters of the Universe Part Two, and um, hired a little-known actor back then by the name of Jean-Claude Van Damme to head one last potential profit-making movie called Cyborg. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, that didn't really save him, but it did give us Cyborg, and Cyborg was pretty cool for what it is. So. <laughs> for
1: what it is, yes, it, it is.
0: Yeah, cool. I'm not going to hate on it. I like the, the post-apocalyptic nature of it and the fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme actually blinded a guy that's in the movie. That's very true, yeah. For reals, yeah. With
1: his uh, spinning heel back kick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn, I mean, that's a story
1: to tell. <laughs> Uh, Alright, I think that's we've talked about that movie enough, and this is our in our uh, retro Marvel <laughs> cinematic universe. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about the Generation X movie that came out on Fox, uh, mid-90s, and also the 1989 Punisher with Dolph Lundgren, where you never oh, see the skull we. mask, or the skull
0: shirt, <laughs> the skull symbol. <laughs> Uh well he, he, he saved money on the skull shirt and got a bunch of skull knives instead. <laughs>
1: well there you go. Uh so I can't wait for next week. But uh John, where can people meet you,
0: or find you online? Uh well uh, meet me, I was gonna say Tinder <laughs> but not. <laughs> um you can find me on uh at Magic Bollocks on Twitter and uh John Camarina on Facebook and I also do infrequent postings on geek elite radio there you go
1: and uh you can find me as at agent underscore of the underscore bat on twitter we have at geek elite radio on twitter and like you said facebook is where we do a lot of our uh, conversation for the community and talk about all the things that are geeky uh also check out our website geek for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network Uh, But until next week, this has been the Geek's Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.